Hi, friends. Welcome to Unyielding, a podcast for Pathways to Hope Network. Our goal for this podcast is to connect with mothers of children facing the juvenile court system. We want to use this platform to give a voice to the challenges you're facing while you're learning to navigate the sometimes scary and uncertain world we enter when our child has been charged with a crime. For the next 30 or so minutes, we hope that you will feel seen. We hope that you are reminded of your value and that you leave a little stronger than you arrived. Most importantly, though, we hope to honor the always beautiful, often heart-wrenching, unyielding love that a mother has for her child. Well, hi, friend. We are back, and it is episode 21 of Unyielding. And last week, we talked about the idea that one of the reasons we get so exhausted as parents is because we can become a little over-involved in our child's decisions. And I challenged you to do a couple of things. The first was to spend time the last couple of weeks just growing in your awareness around how many times you either did or were tempted to put your child in the backpack. And the second was to ask yourself two questions when you came up against those moments. The first question was, has my child been given what I believe is wisdom? Or in other words, have we covered this before? The second question was, knowing that I have done my part to share wisdom, am I willing to allow this to be theirs? Now, if you haven't listened to episode 20, I strongly recommend doing that for some context before listening to this episode. Because today we're going to dive a little deeper into the concept of loving detachment. Now, I heard from more than one mom last week and even a few dads, about how this backpack concept really opened their eyes and made them realize, you know, how often they are tempted to take over a situation and, you know, pick their child up and throw them in the backpack and walk that portion of the, of the marathon together. And for myself, I know the same was true. I definitely realized it more in the last two weeks of how often I really struggled with that. In fact, there was one time when my son was calling a potential employer and I had in my mind all of these questions that I believed he needed to ask his employer. And I thought that he should say them a certain way. And I thought that <laughs> that he should, you know, have follow-up questions prepared. And to tell you the truth, like I wanted to be the one to make the phone call. Like it was, it was hard for me to put myself, you know, back in the background in that situation. And I physically had to remove myself from that situation. You know, I I gave him what I believed was wisdom. And then I um, I walked upstairs in our house and I went into my office and I, I'm not joking, you guys, I literally sat down on my hands and waited until I heard him get off the phone because I could not trust myself to be in the same room. So it is a challenge to say the least. And so as we um, move into this concept of loving detachment, I just want you to continue to keep an open mind about the topics that we're going to be discussing today. 
But before we do, let's talk about some things that may have come up for you over the last couple of weeks. And by things, I mean feelings. My guess is that you had a lot of them. I know I certainly did. And I want to acknowledge them. Whether you felt frustrated, indignant, scared, irritated, or angry, our feelings are important. I read somewhere that feelings are just visitors with information. We can allow them to enter. We can observe them. We can take information from them and then allow them to leave. What we shouldn't do is discount them. And why? Because the second we begin to send the message to ourselves that our feelings about something don't matter, everything we're doing will come to a screeching halt. And so as you're going through, you know, um, beginning the practice of keeping your child out of the backpack, there's going to be feelings that come up for you. And what I don't think we should do is just plow through those feelings and think, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I might as well just keep forging forward. I don't think that that's healthy. I think that those feelings that are coming up for us are communicating something. And so the more that we can take the time to talk about those feelings with someone we trust um, or journal about those feelings and, you know, that we're having and why that's feeling so hard for us, the more we're going to learn and grow from this process because they do matter. Of course they matter. You know, let's take, for example, that you noticed, you know, after you had listened to episode 20, how your child came home on Tuesday and they immediately sat down to play video games. You wanted to walk over, turn off the TV with a few choice words, and send them off to take care of their homework. But you remembered what I said about the backpack. You actually envisioned in your mind lifting that heavy man-child and putting them into a pack on your back. And so you decided to ask yourself the two questions we talked about. And you practiced releasing it. And it wasn't easy, but you walked into the other room and began taking care of things you needed to do or maybe even chose to relax. But your eye kept glancing back at that clock and you kept peeking around the corner and still saw the same kid sitting in front of the same TV with the same look on his face and zero sense of urgency around what he needed to do. And then... The voice of reason entered your head. This is ludicrous, it said. Insane. He will never get off that thing. Am I really just going to allow this to happen? Am I just going to do nothing? It's not right. Like, I'm shirking my responsibilities as a parent. It's my job. And you begin to get irritated. First with him, and then with me, probably. And next, your inner negotiator made an appearance and and said something like, um, okay, let's see. How can I be of service, she says. Well, if we look back at the instructions, it does say, has my child been given what I believe is wisdom on this matter? Or in other words, have we covered this before? It seems to me this is a gray area here. I mean, Technically, we've covered it before, but in light of this new practice, we've realized there are a few additional things that perhaps we haven't covered. We should probably offer a refresher. Just then, and always in perfect time, pride made his appearance. This is stupid, 
Put the kid in the damn backpack and let's get on with life. I'm a great parent. This kid needs to understand that life ain't always sunshine and roses. Am I close? I bet I am. And I can place that bet only because I'm closely acquainted with all of those characters. I know the roles they play and I know their main purpose. Each of those emotions, frustration, indignation, irritation, anger, They are all visitors communicating the same information. All of them are collectively gathered and they're saying in one united voice, we're afraid. Don't believe me? Let's test my theory. Our bodies experience what is called a biochemical reaction when we're afraid. And this biochemical reaction brought on by fear causes our bodies to have a physical response. And this physical response is also known as I'm sure you can say it because you've heard me say it a million times, fight or flight, in which your body prepares itself to either enter combat, i.e. face your child and tell them what they are going to do, or to run away, i.e. distract yourself with other things until the agony of doing nothing has passed. Still not convinced? Well, fear can also create physical reactions such as increased heart rate and high adrenaline levels. Any of this sound familiar? I don't know about you, but I definitely feel amped up when I'm trying to release control. But why are we talking about this? Well, we're talking about it because when we have awareness around what is going on within us, we better understand ourselves. We can remove the judgments we have around what we should or shouldn't be doing and simply parent to the best of our abilities while clearly seeing our motivations behind it. In simple terms, self-awareness equals better decisions. After all, that should be the goal. Not that we follow all the advice or whatever the newest technique is, but, but that we truly understand what we are trying to achieve and that we have a clear picture of how we want to show up as a parent, and that we're able to make our decisions that are in alignment with both of those things. So if the idea of loving detachment has you in knots, the first step would be to figure out what those visitors are trying to communicate with you. Now, I can't hold it in any longer. I have to tell you about this resource I stumbled across. Sometimes I love the internet, don't you? Okay, so after the incident I talked about in episode 20 in the kitchen with my boys, I was doing some research on how I might be able to find a path towards loving detachment on a bigger scale. And I stumbled across a specialist with a webpage on nonviolent communications by the name of Dr. Waylon Myers. On Dr. Myers' page, he wrote a blog titled How Detachment Can Be Loving for All. I'm going to put it in the show notes below, and I really, really, really strongly suggest that you check it out and read it. I mean, when I really, really, really strongly suggest something, it's only because I recognize that it has incredible potential to make a difference. So in his blog, Dr. Meyer addresses loving detachment. He describes how he knows when he has detached and how it truly is an incredible act of love for everyone involved. He writes, Currently, I consider myself lovingly detached when I am willing and able to compassionately and without judgment 
allow others to be different from me, allow them to be self-directed, and allow them to be responsible for taking care of themselves. What I took from this was that I can identify when I am lovingly detached because I am willing and able with compassion, right? Not out of bitterness, not out of exasperation, not out of anger, but with compassion and without judgment to allow three things. The first is that I'm able to allow the other person to be different from me. Because a lot of times that's what it is, you know? It's like sometimes the things that drive us crazy about our kids are all the ways that they're different from who we are right now. The ways they don't think like we think. The things they don't do like we would do. So I could identify that I was in a place of loving detachment if I was compassionately and without judgment willing and able to allow them to be different from me. The next indicator of loving detachment is when I'm able to allow them to be self-directed. That means I'm giving my permission for them to be self-directed. And when you give someone permission to do something, you don't go in and do the opposite. You release it to them. You allow them to be self-directed. And the final one was that I am able to allow them to be responsible for taking care of themselves. I hear that as I allow them to get out of the backpack without grabbing them and forcing them back in. He talks about how detachment is actually something that he has found to be an act of love towards people that he loves and towards himself. I'll give you just a few of the examples he gives on how detachment is loving towards others. He says that as we are able to lovingly detach, we are giving those we care about the opportunity to learn what it is to look within and trust themselves for self-direction. And that this includes learning when and how to ask for help. So if there is any part of you that is feeling like detachment is somehow turning your back on your child with an attitude of, you made your bed, now you lie in it, I hope that you can see that this is about giving them an opportunity to learn to look within themselves and to trust themselves for self-direction. This is saying in actions, not words, that they can find the answers within themselves, even if it means they have to make a ton of mistakes to get there. And so like in the example of my son making the call to a potential employer, I had to allow him the opportunity to learn to look within himself and to trust himself, to guide himself through that conversation. And did it go perfectly? No. Spoiler alert, it didn't go perfectly. And there were things that afterwards I thought, oh, he probably should have asked this or he he forgot about this question. And, you know, of course that stuff came up. But I think the bigger win in that situation was not that he handled that situation perfectly, but that he had the opportunity to learn to look within himself and to trust himself for self-direction. That was the win, and that was achieved. 
because I didn't get involved. It wasn't my win. It was his win. And I think from that experience, my takeaway is that it's not going to be perfect, but part of the lesson there is for them to be able to trust that they can get themselves through that situation and also for them to know how and when they should ask for help. I'm curious, how often do you wait to help until your child has asked for help? Have you ever had that experience of watching your child when, maybe it was when they were younger, try to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And you're just sitting there like, oh my gosh, like what in the world? The bread is ripping all over the place with the peanut butter that is never going to work. And then you swoop in and you say, here, let me help you. Like, let mom help, okay? Because, you know, presentation is everything, right? No, because we couldn't stand the feeling of being uncomfortable and watching our kids struggle with something. And when we do that, when we rescue what we create, you're not going to want to hear this. What we create is weakness. Whether that's in high school and they're struggling with not getting their assignments in or whether that's them not making the best choice in friends, we're robbing them from the opportunity to be able to tell for themselves when they are in over their heads when they do really need our help. If they don't experience that now, then they're going to end up experiencing it with something a lot bigger down the road. So let them figure that out. Like let's let them figure out where that line is. Let's let them feel the edge of when I can do something by myself and when I need help. And we can only do that when we're able to detach. So it really is an act of love. Dr. Myers goes on to say, if I refrain from trying to manage their problematic situation, the people I care about may learn something about thinking for themselves, problem solving, and when and how to ask for help. They might learn to better listen to their feelings and intuitions, to heed those little voices we all wish we listened to more. They might learn to better recognize when they want help and how to request it in ways that leave them feeling good rather than embarrassed or ashamed. In short, letting them manage their own affairs gives them the opportunity to draw on their own inner resources instead of mine. And from this direct experience of their abilities, no matter how groping or uncertain, they can build competence. And that often leads to confidence. For me, this is the most powerful and most natural avenue for creating an increased sense of self-esteem. One thing that I hear over and over again is I wish there was a way to make my kid more confident, to raise their self-esteem. If that doesn't sell it, oh my gosh, like that was so good. He also talks about how loving detachment relieves me of the strain of attempting the impossible. I'm relieved of the strain 
I'm relieved from having to carry my teenager, or in some cases even, my adult child on my back for this marathon. He says, By carefully reviewing my experiences of trying to control other people's physical behavior, sobriety, health, learning, emotions, and opinions, I have come to one conclusion. The only thing I might be able to control is a person's physical behavior, and that requires that I possess enough physical strength and the opportunity and will to use it. If I accept my powerlessness to control the other things, the inner lives and the wills of others, then I relieve myself of the stress and strain of attempting what cannot be done. This is a primary way for me to create more serenity in my life. In fact, if I practice this process deeply enough, I sometimes reach the point where I form no opinion about what another should do. And this is a truly liberated and refreshing moment for us both. So I'm going to be transparent and say that I'm not sure I'll ever get to the point where I form no opinion about what others do. I mean, I can reach for the stars on that, you know. Um, (laughs) I don't know for sure if it's going to happen, but definitely see that it would feel refreshing and liberating for both me and my child if I could get to that place. We already discussed the two things I mentioned that were the most prevalent questions for me whenever I'm starting to feel I'm putting more energy into something than my child is. But he takes this kind of a little deeper in his blog and he says, okay, so I think loving detachment is great for everyone involved, but how do I decide when to do it? He says, I lovingly detach when I conclude that it is the most helpful action I can take. There are times when I believe that actually helping a person with their problem may be the most helpful thing I can do, and then I go ahead and help. And there are other times when I conclude that allowing them the opportunity to learn how to take care of themselves better may be the stronger, deeper form of love, the deeper gift. Then I detach with love and compassion. And they are not mutually exclusive. Often, I do some of both. But how do I figure this balance out? I ask myself questions like these. And then he goes on to list what some of his questions are that he asks. And they're really good questions to just go through and review. I think they provide a really good gauge of like, how do I know when to detach? Um, He asks questions like, which action, helping or lovingly detaching, do I believe will strengthen my loved one the most in the long run? He says that this is always his primary question because he wants to contribute towards strengthening their well-being in the long run. Another question he asks is, does this, quote, help I'm thinking of providing involve me picking up a responsibility which would normally be theirs, but which they are not performing at the levels I deem best? All of these questions he lists are just like, they're so good and they're, they're amazing to help us bring awareness to whether or not we are operating from a place of healthy attachment and if it might be worth considering what loving detachment would look like. It's just a really good article and it's definitely given me some things to think about and opened up my eyes to some things that I'm going to be working on and practicing for myself. And you know, I think... 
sometimes it's easier to begin practicing with the little things before you get to the big things. So my plan right now is just to look for opportunities in the next couple weeks to begin implementing this new habit. And, you know, maybe not even just with my teenager, but maybe with my middle schooler, with my adult children, with my spouse, or with any situation in which I feel like I'm carrying too much of the responsibility. I think this is just, you know, another example of how we can find some control in situations that we cannot control. Please hear me when I say this. Your peace and your sanity are the most important things when it comes to you being able to get through this season in a way that you can feel proud of. And we know that a lot of times in order for us to feel like we're doing our part, we need to feel like we are investing our energy into solving problems and making sure our kids get through life unscathed. But in reality, what it means is that you're taking care of yourself. Doing your part means taking care of yourself. It means being the anchor that is holding this ship down. So this really is an act of love for yourself and for your kids. I hope that you will consider it. And I hope that if you do, that you'll email me. And you can just shoot me an email. My email address is A-F-R-E-Y, A as in Apple, F as in Frank, R-E-Y dot pathways at gmail.com. And let me know how it's going. Where is the struggle, the victory, the areas that challenge you the most? I am happy to encourage you and support you on this journey. Oh, and don't forget to check the show notes or visit Pathways to Hope Network.org. Um, in the resource section of our website, you can also find a link to uh, his blog post there. But do take a look at that resource and read through those questions and learn more about loving detachment and what it looks like. So until next time, we're just going to keep going and we're going to get through it one day at a time and we'll keep showing up and we'll keep doing our best. Love you guys. Talk to you next time. Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Unyielding. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. If you did, could you show some love to this community of mamas by leaving a review and subscribing? You know how lonely this journey can be. And when you leave positive reviews and subscribe, it makes a big difference in helping other struggling moms out there find us. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website. The link will always be in the show notes below where you can access an ever-growing library of resources, like a list of local and national resources that may be helpful, a page entirely devoted to frequently asked questions, as well as our blogs that cover a variety of topics. When you visit the page, remember to subscribe so you're added to our monthly newsletter designed to encourage and educate you throughout this process and beyond. You can also find our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram posts designed to help keep you fighting. Remember, family is like life. It's a fight for territory, and once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want, 
will automatically take over. Until next week, friends, remember we are stronger together.